Hello and welcome to Cangria, a home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And uh, recording from a different location, so there may be a little bit of background noise today. Now, there is no guest this week. We have been back-to-back-to-back, chock-a-block, as the mm. Brits will say, with guests for the last little while. And uh, we seem to have settled this week on not having any, because there has been so much... LGBTQ plus news happening mm-hmm. in Canada and across the whole world. Oh yes, that, uh, yeah. We will. We never get time for it. Now, and one of them is actually super relevant to an interview we had uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, there was one story. I'm going to try and see if I can find the headline. Um, essentially, the Vatican, uh, you know, of ye old uh, uh, Pope fame. Oh yes, that Vatican has intervened in efforts in Italy to introduce LGBT protections. Really? Yeah, I mean, this is hardly surprising. Here we go. It was an article from the uh, website called Gay Today. The Vatican is attacking an Italian LGBT bill rights in an unprecedented act of political meddling. And in the 2000 years history Ooh. of the Catholic Church, never have they meddled. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that the use of the word unprecedented there is uh... yeah, particularly unprecedented Ooh. political meddling. I mean, I feel like Ooh. the Crusades might count as I mean, meddling might be calling a crusade a bit a bit lightly. But I mean, come yeah. on. This is, yeah, that's, this is quite that's... something. That's a bit much. Also, actually, I'm glad that they said uh, the Vatican. I was about to say, like, isn't the current pope the chill one? But apparently he doesn't get along very well with the cardinals. And the sort they sort of collectively called the shots. So, I mean, I mean, this doesn't necessarily let him off the hook because I'm sure he is. Ostensibly, the head honcho of the Catholic Church. I'm sure Allegedly, Catholics, yes. Catholics listening will be nodding along in agreement. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's interesting because recently he was caught, uh, which caused a bit of an uproar, because he was talking to somebody and said, "Look, you know, if you're gay or what have you, who am I to judge?" To which a lot of Catholics said, "The Pope. You are the you're Pope. The, you're <laughs> the Pope." <laughs> that's you know it's you know i get the who am i to judge sentiment but you're the actual pope like that's yeah, that's, that's more of a church of england thing like uh, that was one of my favorite bits from uh eddie izzard's old uh stand-up routines uh where he goes you know you can't really confess to an anglican minister because you say forgive me father for i have sinned and they'll usually respond well so have i it's a it's a very different uh view on uh religion yeah yeah so essentially long story short we don't really have too much time to get into it but there has been there is no legal protections for lgbt people in italy it is an outlier in europe in that it's one of the only sort of advanced european economies without protections for lgbt folks in terms of employment access to housing that kind of thing and this yep. is an effort to bring Italy in line with the rest of Europe. Yeah. And uh, the Vatican was not particularly impressed with the idea of equal rights for gay people in Italy. Um, and it chose against it. But it's worth noting. Now, the thing is, um, I know that the quality of life index, uh, including for LGBT people in Italy, is pretty high. It's actually in the top 50 places in the world to, to be openly gay. But it's a 
that's if there's no legal protections, that means you are running off the good conscience and basic politeness of your employers, of your landlords, all that. So being openly LGBT in Italy is not the worst, but it it's a different beast. Like formalizing it in this way is a very big step. It's very important. When your human rights is let's hope for the best. Yeah, let, that's not ideal. It's let's hope they're nice. Yeah, that's not yeah, that's, that's not ideal. So now let's let's take a quick dive into a Canadian story. And this one really is the big headline. And that is that the Canadian House of Commons of so the lower house in Canada has mm-hmm. passed bill. I think it's C6 is the name of it, which is the bill to ban conversion therapy. Yes. Yes, I've heard. Conversion therapy is the, essentially, it's the idea that with enough thoughts and prayers, you can just stop being gay. Um, And I'm really oversimplifying it here. There is a lot more to conversion therapy. Um, It is a lot more damaging. It has been called by the World Health Organization, essentially torture. Any and every Canadian medical association that has anything to do with mental health, psychiatry, Mm -hmm. psychology, they've all just, you know, said that this is a ridiculous and damaging practice. It has been banned in lots of places. It's been banned Mm -hmm. in most provinces in Canada. And it was also recently banned uh, or is in the process of being banned in the UK. And there are a few states in the US that have also banned it. Now, Mm -hmm. lots of places have said or reported Canada bans gay conversion therapy, which is almost true. Almost. we floored a bill that has high support. It hasn't passed yet. It hasn't been stamped. It hasn't been. The, the, yeah, absolutely. So it has to now go to the Senate. And the reason why I am cautious at this point is because the Senate is going to go on summer vacation any minute. <laughs> so, you know, it's, yeah. this is really an 11th hour passing of the bill. And a part of that, I mean, I, I, first of all, the liberals don't come out squeaky clean here because they, I mean, they did introduce the bill. Every single liberal voted in favor of it. Well done. They, they introduced the bill at such a time that it's one of the last things on the agenda Mm -hmm. and one of the, you know, could fall off the edge. If they really wanted it, they could have introduced it sooner. So, They're not squeaky clean here. Mm -hmm. However, over half of conservative MPs voted against a bill that would effectively ban torture for LGBT Mm. people. It is absolutely disgraceful that uh, there was so much conservative opposition to this. I would love to see their reasoning if they have any. I mean, I'm willing to bet that at least a couple of them are just going to wave it off saying, you know, it's what my constituent my constituency asked for which technically is no there's part been, of what there's been backlash people are oh, kind really? of outraged that okay. uh, these conservative mps have voted in that direction many of them have essentially said and i know many of our listeners are in conservative writings they've mm-hmm. essentially said look this could effectively ban young people seeking spiritual guidance from their religious leaders which it absolutely does not. It does not do that. You know what I mean? The practice, a conversation about faith and the practice of conversion therapy, are very different extremes of a of a you know a spectrum. There's also very concrete differences between them. So a discussion with your pastor doesn't normally involve 
uh, going away to be isolated from your family for two to four weeks. Because a lot of the conversion therapies are isolated because, um, I mean, part of the idea is that it's not going to work if you can fall back on quote unquote bad habits through the internet or, or texting friends or whatever. So they, they do isolate you. Um, a whole bunch of stuff that they do are actually practices that are moderately similar to cults where they they isolate you they give you specific diets they regiment your your daily routine um the idea behind it is it's supposed to make it easier to influence your mind there is a secular version of conversion therapy but it's it's still usually run on religious grounds um it's really easy to tell them apart because there are all the there, there's these measurable differences that you can actually just point to something and say like you know two hours in the rectory is very, very different from two weeks away from your family. Yes, rectory, that's what it's called. It's the little office in the back where the the uh, the, the the minister sits or the priest, or I, it depends on your denomination, but yeah. I mean, essentially, you know, what is effectively banned? And I'm going to really, dump, I mean, this is a whole piece of legislation, but we're going to summarize here because yep. only so much time in the day. Yep. Effectively, if you go to your priest and you say, mm -hmm. look, I am a homosexual. I am one of 250,000 Canadians who identify as gay. Mm -hmm. And uh, look, I want to reconcile my faith with my sexuality. And they present a path forward. If you're Catholic, for example, maybe not acting on, on your sexuality could be a, a way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. It is perfectly legal to have conversations about how to reconcile faith with sexuality. What mm -hmm. is what would no longer be legal under this legislation, C10, the act of ban the conversion therapy, is to say, oh, you are homosexual. If you do 12 Hail Marys, then bish bash bosh, you're good to go, and now you're suddenly straight. It is essentially, you cannot, using, uh, you know, psychological pressure, mm. brainwashing, you know, these kinds of efforts to convert somebody from a homosexual to a heterosexual through yes. the magic of faith is no longer permitted because through the magic of Pavlov is usually what it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because frankly, what comes out at the end of this process, when people have gone down this magic tunnel of faith is mm. that they are so psychologically traumatized that it is unbelievably damaging. Like suicide yeah. ideation is through the roof. Yep, yep. The long-lasting damage to these people is unbelievable. And that, that is why it has been called a form of torture yep. by the World Health Organization. Absolutely. You know, I did read something really interesting um, out of pinknews.co.uk. And that is that the Hindu Council of the UK and the Buddhist Dharma Center have both asked for Britain to ban conversion therapy. Oh. And, you know, I think sometimes when we're talking about conversion therapy, we forget the context of all of the other religions that exist, mm. um, especially in Canada, which is incredibly multicultural. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I just thought that was really interesting that these other major faith centers are like this practice isn't appropriate i actually did did i tell you that i actually years ago i met a um someone who was a a, a buddhist monk and i asked him about his his approach to homosexuality and his answer was something to to, to the tune of oh it's all a sin so 
whatever. Yeah. You're sitting this way, you're sitting that way, whatever. <laughs> like it, it, it made no difference. Yeah. It's desire. Well, it's not sin. They don't really have a concept of sin, but it's it's all it's all desire and it's corrupting you away from enlightenment and blah blah blah. Now blah, it's blah. got so pet shop boys. It's all it's a sin stuck in my head. <laughs> That's you know. Before we do that, this is washed out by low life lolas, and we will be back just after this.
Hello and welcome back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I am still Sebastian. Now, I think it was either 1971 or 1974, I forget the exact date, but essentially that was the first year that Canada had, or Toronto had, its Pride Picnic. And it was one of the first efforts, it was a precursor to a Pride Parade, where folks gathered in Hanlon's Point on Toronto Island, uh, pretty gay beach uh, okay. at this point. And I say this because there's a long-standing legacy there. Now, a couple of weeks ago, during one of our interviews, um, I think we it was uh, Wawate and, uh, uh, and our, our other interview as well, where we talked about the attack at Hanlon's Point, where right, yeah. David Gomez, who was 24, um, was beaten up. There was an altercation. He was with one group. There was another group there. And uh, he was knocked unconscious. He suffered a broken nose and cheekbone and an orbital bone and an oh. injury to his hip along with a concussion. Hmm. Now, there was a GoFundMe campaign that was, I think, aiming for $6,000 that raised nearly $49,000 to help with his recovery. So at the very least, David doesn't have to worry about getting a job for the next while and can focus on recovering. Now, David has told the media, he told the CBC, that he is slightly uh, comforted by the fact that uh, the Toronto Police Service were quick to address this as a, as a hate crime. And they quite quickly ad- arrested the first man in this incident. Uh, they... <laughs> That it was Elijah McGibbon was the first man uh, who was arrested on charges of uh, aggravated assault. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they arrested him about last week or so. But this week, Felix Toveron, who was 24, also 24, turned himself in on Wednesday and has also been charged with aggravated assault. Now, it seems quite likely that these two men were the ones that did the bulk of the assaulting for David. Right. So, yeah, he seems, you know, he said he's encouraged that there was a pretty swift response that these men have been arrested. And uh, it looks like, you know, justice was pretty pretty swiftly dealt here and he was raised 49 grand to support himself hmm. i mean it's not often we have good news that follows these kind of stories what about the uh the rumors that uh, one of the red blacks was allegedly involved now it doesn't look like he has been arrested or necessarily indicated as a person of interest mm-hmm. so the like i said it's only been about a week the toronto police service are still investigating we are keeping an eye on it because of course um yeah. if uh, if that person proves to have been completely innocent we want to make sure we mention that mm-hmm. um but yeah, it's it's. I think, like I said, they're still working on it. But the two key aggressors were just only arrested. It's always possible that it's just some guy who looks like some other famous guy. Like if you look like some other famous guy, like stuff probably happens to you. So I mean, I I would want them to double check. But yeah, this is, yeah. I look forward to the follow up whenever that comes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this was. I was quite impressed with how seriously um this was taken you know by by the police by, by yeah other... but <laughs> toronto police are, are are famously inconsistent where some things that should normally take two months they just solve a case in a week and everyone's like how did you do that and they're like oh we applied ourselves and then other times absolutely nothing comes of it i they're 
I don't know. You, you expect the unexpected with the Toronto police, which is not what you want. You you want exa- you want to know exactly you want what to reliability expect. really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is, it's um, not great, but I mean, it worked out this time at least. I did want to mention that uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks defensive lineman Chris Larson, who was suspended by the Red Blacks as they investigated, according mm-hmm. to Larson's lawyer. Um, uh, Chris Larson is no longer a suspect. The Ottawa police, however, um, say that the investigation remains active and okay. the Red Blacks have not provided the CBC with an update. We haven't reached out yet. We'll make sure to do that. Um, mm. But yeah, so according to Larson's lawyer, he's no longer a suspect. So that's good. I okay. Think. okay. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll, I'll accept right. that. Yeah, that's pretty reliable. I mean, it's probably as simple as like, no, no, he was at home the whole time. It's just some guy who looks like like him. But, you know, while the investigation's ongoing, you need to, I, they were not quite as um, tight lipped as England is. Like whenever, when there's an ongoing case in England, they really keep their cards close to the test uh, chest for various reasons, most of which I agree with. Some of I agree with, but not to the degree that they do it, if you know what I mean. Um, but I do like, I do, it, it's inconvenient to the victim for sure. It can be very harmful, but it's also important that we not allow some kind of mob justice situation happen by over revealing information before it can be confirmed. So I'm glad that this has sort of been quietly slowed down for now. Um, I don't know, but there's another story that involves football that everyone's been talking about that I cannot escape from. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's a football thing. But yeah, no, a, a professional uh, NFL footballer has come out while still playing and under contract. And this is the first time this has happened, which is so interesting because um, two weeks ago, we actually had an interview with someone who did a documentary about the history of people being openly queer in sports. And he said that NHL and NFL are probably the last to happen. Uh, I'm kind of surprised CFL hasn't happened. Um, but yeah, uh, oopsies, not NHL. So I, it is the NHL. So essentially, it was the Las Vegas Raiders player, Carl Nassib. Who, Las uh, Vegas. Yeah, yeah, he essentially came out. He is in the NFL. There was a previous player. I did write his name down, but I have lost it. Um, and uh, we'll we'll circle back to it. But he he came out openly as gay gay in the pre-draft season. He okay. was drafted last. Um, nobody was keen, PG keen to get him. Mm. And he never played any of the main season games. He always played the sort of test games or the off season games, the, the sort of ones that don't aren't in the big league. And um, so um, Carl Nassib is the first one to be an active NFL yeah. player. And a lot of people are really stressing that um, active part. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Other, the other player, I don't, I did write his name down. Now it is going to come to me. But um, he actually went to go play with the CFL for the Montreal's team. And uh, as a result, became the Canadian Football League's first openly gay player. So that did happen. It is, oh, it is very disrespectful that I don't have his name handy. I did read some time ago that uh, many sportswear athletes, uh, uh, outlets are having troubles keeping on top of the request to get Nessie jerseys now, that his jersey 
like pirates with his name and number on the back has been selling out at many locations. So the, the outpouring is not just, um, let's say, uh, optics, you know, that, that people are willing to put their money down on this. So I don't know if it's uh, football fans or if it is people like you and I who barely know anything about sports and we find the concept interesting but not the execution which is why we can't remember any of the names um apologies to anyone who does care about sports by the way um but yeah the the the, his jersey has been selling out which is very interesting and the fact that it has been selling out is kind of an indication that there's sort of genuine support there and not just somebody tweeting oh that's nice and then you know a week later they say something about him in the locker room like this it's looking really positive yeah, so the other character, uh, the character, the other player I was thinking of is Michael Sam. Um, so he joined the Dallas Cowboys practice squad, as I mentioned earlier, uh, after initially being uh, drafted to the St. Louis Rams. Um, then he joined the Montreal Olets in 2015, where he became the first openly gay character to play, uh, openly gay player to play mm-hmm. the uh, Canadian Football League in 2015. So like I said, this is the first active um, National Football League player, which is Carl Nassib. So one of the things that I actually really liked about how Carl Nassib came out is that what he did straight off the bat was handed a $100,000 track to um, the Trevor Project, which is the main... Uh, anti-gay bullying organization that works with youth in the states it was a huge move mm-hmm. kind of i mean ever starting on the right foot i think that is that is certainly it they work primarily to prevent suicides in lgbt youth mm-hmm. and the nfl in all fairness uh came out and said you know we see a hundred thousand and we match it mm-hmm. they didn't have to do that they could have just put a rainbow sticker on their logo and you know, said well done, but uh, you know, I, it was really encouraging that the NFL took this incredibly seriously. Like you mentioned, Cal Nassib's uh, jersey has been selling out. Yep, and people are predicting this could be a sea change moment for the football leagues. Um, I don't know. I think that the truth will be in whether or not somebody else comes out. You know, or, is this a one and done? Yeah, or what happens over the next year, because there have been other athletes who came out and there was an initial outcrying of support. And then over time, that kind of petered off into something less positive. So, you know, the 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 long term effects. And I mean, I I know that to a certain degree, they're going to razz each other anyway. You know, if they don't pick on you for being short or pick on you for having a bald patch or pick on you for whatever, because, you know, the sports world is all about testing boundaries. Um, I just hope they don't cross any lines that they can't uncross, if that makes sense. Because, like, people yelling offensive things to each other while they're playing or, or sniping, as it's sometimes called, uh, it's, it's kind of part of sports. Whether or not it should be is a different conversation, but it totally is. And so long as, you know, they, they call him Twinkle Toes, but then also go out to drinks with him after, then that's... I, I want to see the long-term effects in that sense. And if this works out well, honestly, I would be alarmed if uh, hockey is the next. Because baseball, there have been a few people who came out after they retired. So, 
Well, I think uh, since Karl Nassib came out, there's been lots of people fact-checking about folks who have been have gay or openly and, and different, you know, various stages. And I think there may have been up to 15 people in the NFL's history, um, but we'll have to get into that. I did want to mention a story before we sidebarred into the National uh, Football League. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't expecting that to happen, but these things uh, occur. It transitioned nicely. It does transition nicely. Yeah. Now, one of the things that occurs to me is, as uh, you know, I've been in the backseat of the car, there's people more doing more traveling about, especially in residential areas. We're seeing a lot more pride flags up on people's porches, in, you know, staked into the ground in their gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I, I was certainly encouraged to see pride flags. But apparently, it is quite the hot topic in southern Ontario. In fact, flags have been stolen, torn down, or burnt in, are you sitting down for this list? Uh, Burgersville, London, Ontario, Dunsville, um, where are they? Mississauga, um, there there was a few, Brant um, as well. There's quite an astonishing array of places in the southern Ontario. But let's start off with Mississauga. The Peel police arrested two 16-year-olds last week who filmed themselves, which made finding them quite easy. Uh, <laughs> they filmed themselves burning the flag at the Quartha Park Secondary School. Okay. Um, and the, I mean, immediately the Peel District School Board condemned it as a hateful act of homophobia, transphobia, and biphobia. Um, and the Peel Crown's attorney said that they will look at the youth pre-charge diversion program. Um, essentially, they're going to go to a a program to kind of educate them about why why this was an unbelievably stupid idea. Right. Uh, and if that doesn't work, they'll face multiple charges. So, I mean, that's uh, that's. I mean, honestly, why film yourself? That's just. It is. It is it beggars belief, but they were. 16. I mean, if anything, I would encourage more people to record themselves with their faces uncovered while they're doing crimes. I think it benefits all of us. Well, apparently, it's not just stupid sixteen-year-olds who manage to catch themselves on film as they, uh, you know, deface flags. Because in London, Ontario, also this past week, um, the what's been called a porch pirate flag or, or porch flag pirate rather get my uh, teeth in straight uh was caught on a ring security camera running up grabbing the flag and uh, running away with it effectively just straight up stealing this flag now the owner of the flag stephen couchett uh did point out that in the area there's dozens of portuguese flags around there's dozens of of other flags he is the only one in the area that has a pride flag and uh, there wasn't a massive spike in Portuguese flag thefts. So it, it was just the pride flag that got nicked. Right. Um, so, I mean, that happened in London. These 16-year-olds nicked them in, uh, um, where was it? Just now I mentioned. London? Oh, Mississauga. Mississauga, yeah. yeah. Um, there was also a residential laneway in Norwich, Ontario, where mm-hmm. some pride flags were also stolen from a pride flagpole or from a flagpole which had a pride flag on it. Um, but yeah, it seems like in the past week there has been an astonishing number of these flags taken down. Dunville, Kayaga, you name you throw a Cayuga, you throw a dart at Southern Ontario and somebody is there tearing down pride flags, which mm. is very disconcerting. 
I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I like to hope it's like the first group where it's, it's mostly just dumb teenagers who are bored and, and think they're edgy. Um, some of it probably will be actually hate motivated and some of it, at least one or two instances will just be some idiot who thinks it's funny. Um, not thinking of the impact. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I have heard of, um, what was it? There was a high school in the States. I mean, I didn't really write it down because we don't really talk about American news that often, but there's a high school in the States where they actually burned the pride flag on the flagpole. Uh, which is, I mean, Americans, they have this love of flags and flag symbolism that uh, the rest of the world vaguely understands. But when you burn a flag on the flagpole, that is very aggressive. So especially in the American culture. So there's been a few weird incidents happening this year around uh, pride flags. And hopefully it's not just I don't know the the Christmas and summer situation, but it, it's not just pride flags that have been suffering here in Brantford. I mean, honestly, people don't even look for cameras anymore. It's astonishing. There is a white Chevrolet Silverado uh, Z71 uh, with a black uh, truck bed box uh, bed toolbox. That okay. has clear, if you want to Google it, I mean, it's clear as day. The CCTV CCTV image of this truck just burning rubber on a rainbow crosswalk. Um, so yeah, the Brantford police uh, is looking into it. It happened at the crosswalk of Market and Colburn on the 17th of June. Um, being that this guy's number plate is like, even I could almost read it from this photo. I don't think it'd be too long before he also finds himself um, caught up in this. But I don't know. I just... As you know, as there's more moving about of people, I just find it so disappointing that uh, you know, with these newfound post-COVID freedoms, that people find the most important thing to do in their day is to put tire tracks on a crosswalk mm-hmm. and steal a flag off a flagpole. I mean, mm-hmm. surely there are hair appointments that people have to get to. Oh man, yeah, no, we're on video chat right now, and uh, Luke, it's not great. <laughs> now flags are political and the reason why i'm doing this awkward segue is i would say flags can be political you got to be careful with that because not every culture treats flags the way that we do but in the canadian context flags are political yeah um it often demonstrates uh support for certain communities or pride in the certain community now mm-hmm. in russia which has the no say gay law which is essentially if you even whisper the word or think the word gay you are arrested for propaganda um it's a slight exaggeration but not by much oh only it's barely a slight exaggeration it, yeah it is astonishing how harsh they are enforcing this thinking i think was an exaggeration Um, Essentially, the interesting story I wanted to share with you is that the United Kingdom, Canada and the US, uh, all of their embassies are now raising the pride flag in Russia. Um, And the act of raising a pride flag is in contravention of Russia's no say gay law, because just, just having a flag is against the law in Russia. Yes, but the embassy is not technically on Russian soil. It's on Canadian soil because that's how embassies work. It's this weird pocket dimension where you walk through a doorway and now you're halfway across the world. 
So it's uh, they they technically have the right to do this. You could say, you know, there's some kind of skyline law, uh, you know, the line of sight. If you're going to do that, do that in your own office. We don't care. That's your business. But uh, yeah, no, I read that and I was like, oh, that's cheeky. That's cheeky. So they issued a joint statement. I'll read it here uh, for those. We, the undersigned ambassadors in charge d'affaires of Australia, Canada, Iceland, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom and the United States, celebrate Pride Month by affirming the inherent human rights of each individual as expressed in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, including members of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and intersex community. Unfortunately, LGBTI individuals throughout the world continue to face violence, harassment, and discrimination simply because of who they are. And law enforcement authorities mm-hmm. often turn a blind eye to hate speech and hate crimes that are prevalent in many companies, uh, countries. This June, we celebrate Pride Month by applauding the accomplishments of LGBTI activists and their allies, all of whom are working to ensure that every individual, regardless of sexual orientation, gender identity, or sex characteristics, receives the full protection of the law. Human rights are universal, and everyone, including LGBTI persons, are entitled to their full enjoyment. So Australia, Canada, Iceland, the USA, the UK, and New Zealand have all taken this pretty strong stance in Russia. But not the Dutch. That surprises me. The Netherlands is usually uh, very assertive on human rights issues like this. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Maybe they're not within uh, Moscow city limits. Maybe they're one of those embassies that are out on the edge of town or something. I don't know. But yeah. Nope, this is good news. Well, this is interesting news. Probably nothing will come of it, but it's still symbolic at least. All right. Well, before we go, there was one town uh, in, in, well, another town in Ontario that has uh, failed to raise the pride flag. Okay. Yo, are you familiar with Perawawa in Ontario? I think there's a U.S. There's this. Uh... There's a um, a I think an Air Force base there in Perawawa. Yes, yeah, the training facility. And uh, it, it locals call it Petawawa. Oh, okay. Well, and whatever. they have, I will have you know, a pretty decent flea market. Okay. <laughs> Highly recommend. I think there's a great, uh, prevent, really good provincial park near there as well. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, the reason why is because in 1998, the Petawawa Council said that they won't make any proclamations unless it pertains to matters that are solely and completely within the immediate mandate of the council. So they don't fly any flags whatsoever. They don't okay. proclaim anything at all, really. Um, okay. Unless it's, unless it's strictly about about the the council. Now there has been an effort to uh, to you know remove this particular rule, this 1998 rule, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it has failed. And essentially, their argument is. You know, this stops all proclamations. And I'm actually on team team no flag here. Yeah, no, you know, we've talked about this before. We've all about or this, nothing. Yeah. Splitting the difference is the worst. If you don't have a flagpole, we don't expect you to raise a flag because there's no yeah. flagpole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't make anybody a proclamation, then that that makes sense to us. You know well, the I mean? other thing is, like, if they don't 
have flags, but if you go and you have like a thing and you're like, can I just put this on your corkboard in your front hall? Because we're doing a pride event next week. If they're like, yeah, that's what that's for. Then like, that's that's great. That's fantastic. They're doing exactly the kind of support that you want. You know, if you're allowed to have little pride flags at your desk, if you work there and they're like, hey, that's fine. It's not the main flagpole. Then that's also fine. Like being being able to express yourself if you work in the Pitawawa uh, city council, city hall, the sort of extended local bureaucracy or the military base, which is there. Um, and actually, I, I have heard of quite a few ex-military who said that they were openly LGBT while in the Pitawawa training facilities. Um, then, yeah, like, yeah, all or none. And they've gone with none. And so long as they don't block you otherwise, then I, yeah, it's great. It's fine. Yeah, I just, you know, we talk about all these flags stolen and flags raised yeah. and flags burnt and flags trampled and flags, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this case, they didn't raise a flag and that's okay. Like, yeah, it's as long as there's somebody with a flag at that flea market, we're good. We're good. <laughs> it, there probably is, actually. I think there was the kind of place where you can get um, like Grateful Dead t-shirts and flags. Um there's always that one place that has Grateful Dead t-shirts and flags. I don't know why those two go together, but they do. Well, but let's yeah. jump to our next song. This is Naked by Mani Cara, and we will be back just after this. He was another boy looking for love in all the wrong places When he stayed out to find Himself hid, invisible. He was on his knees. 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 And I know that I wanted to be naked. Face first. Enter. Face first, enter No accounting stars in fall Nobody's here to steal our spark A fire that burns in a sea Selfless when we please This is a place where I can be myself This is a place where I can love you Face first Enter Face first You Enter Face first To be naked And I 
Welcome back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. I'm Sebastian. Now, the last story I have for you before we call it a day on the show is, and this seemed this seemed a bit of a redundant story. I read the article and I was like, that seems obvious to me. I'll read you the title. It is Lack of Education for Doctors on LGBTQ Health Medically Harmful, Researchers Warn. So essentially, when doctors don't know things, mm-hmm. it could not be good for you. Yep. I can attest to that. Yeah. You can confirm that this is the case. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you know, I'm riddled with massive health problems. Absolutely. And well, I don't want to belittle the work here of Miranda uh, Schreiber. She is uh, a researcher at the University of Toronto. And mm-hmm. essentially, in an article that was published to the Canadian Medical Association Journal, the CMAJ, um, when doctors have a lack of knowledge, um, which is primarily because there is no standardized mandated curriculum. So when there is this lack of knowledge, it has led through countless examples and, and qualitative as well as quantitative evidence to a variety of outcomes when seeking medical care. Sometimes it's awkward conversations. And uh, <laughs> in, in the conversation she had with the CBC, and I quote, she says experiences range from kind of funny Instead of asking if she had a girlfriend or sexual partner, the doctor awkwardly asked if she had a pal. Okay. Um, straight through to, um, you know, quite uh, quite um, damaging. For example, there was a 2014 study that found that lesbians weren't being uh, offered routine pap smears because they didn't have male sexual partners, um, which meant that they were at risk of cervical cancer because the the screening process wasn't wasn't taking place Mm -hmm. so and and that's really concerning you know that and that's just one example 
the House of Commons Standing Committee on Health in 2019 um, said that this 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 training is desperately needed. Um, yeah, so the great reporting by the CBC on this. We'll link it in the uh, show description. But yeah, uh, essentially, Seb, long story short, doctors that don't know what they're doing, not good for your health. What do you think about that? I mean, this kind of surprises me. I'd like to know what school she looked at, because I even remember when I was an undergrad, I had uh, friends and colleagues who went to nursing school, went to med school, went through all sorts of things. And now we have a mutual friend whose partner is in med school. And every single person that I've known, even way back to 2001, they at least talked about LGBT issues for a week, minimum. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they paid attention because we all know somebody when we were in school who crammed for the test, got an A plus, and then the Monday after, when you ask them a question, they don't know what you're talking about because it's all just in short-term memory, just long enough to complete the test. So that kind of situation guaranteed is going to be happening. But modern med schools, especially in Canada, are very focused on this kind of thing, on, on diversity, because, I mean, quite often, the, uh, people from diverse backgrounds end up in medical situations more often. They, they, you know, they, they're more likely to take risky jobs because maybe they can't get a quote unquote, good job, or maybe they're, you know, they're, they're victims of domestic abuse, or maybe I don't, a whole bunch of things that could be happening. Some of it has to do with poverty. And when you're like, it's expensive to be poor, you know, and, and, and maybe you have uh, bad teeth because dentists don't give as much of a discount to the impoverished as you might want. And then you get in there and you're like, well, why don't, why don't you go to a dentist? Your teeth are falling out. Well, I can't afford it. Well, why not? Nobody will hire me. I'm trans. And they'll be like, well, I don't know what that means. So this kind of thing can happen. One thing leads to the next. And I I would be shocked if there is a school in Canada that does nothing. Now, if you told me that a lot of them don't do enough or they don't do a well, good job, the CBC that's a different story. The CBC reached out to all of the major medical schools. And, right. uh, you know, like I said, this is yet again great reporting from the CBC. The Royal College was the only one that got back to them uh, at time of printing. And the Royal College said that when it updates its competency framework for 2025, I assume the work has been done between now and 2024. Right. They will consult with stakeholders to ensure greater emphasis on equity, diversity, and inclusion, uh, LGBTQ2+, anti-Black racism, and Indigenous health issues. So I, I get that there needs to be stakeholder consultation. But when you think about, I think it's like one in 1,500 doctors are even comfortable having a conversation with trans folks who make up about two mm. percent of the population um when you think about how lesbians aren't being offered pap smears and the gay community has higher rates of uh you know heart problems and and so on and so forth mm -hmm. um the lack of consistency and standardization is worrying you know, mm -hmm. it is it is certainly a, a worry. And when the medical schools is saying that's something that we will look forward to in a couple of years, uh, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's I'm going to double my life insurance, I think, is what I'm. <laughs> I mean, they're probably on it. They're just the, the uh, four year time plan is just that's until they can nail something down and say we are confident that this is the right approach that's what i hope yeah i hope they're what doing 
what I would suggest to any LGBT folks who are listening is, you know, we have disproportionate rates of cancer, chronic yep. fatigue, heart disease, mm-hmm. blah, 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 fast mm-hmm. walking, disproportionate rates of fast walking. <laughs> now, all of these things combined, it is absolutely important that you are advocates for your own health. And, uh, you know, if you're a lesbian and your doctor says maybe you don't need a pap smear, maybe insist a little bit, you know, push back because, you know, not all of them know everything as evidenced by this survey and this article um, in the the medical journal. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I think being your own advocate is a is a a big part of the work. Mm. Well, with all that being said, we have reached the end of our marathon run at some Canadian LGBT stories from this past couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it's been tough to keep on top of, of all of them. There were lots of other international stories we did not get to this week, but uh, hopefully we will be able to get to them next week. We will be playing out with Float On by Doge, the singing shaman's band. I love this band. Um, I think we we listened to one of their tracks uh, last month or the month month before. Um, this is Float On by Doge, the singing shaman's band. I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. You're leaving possibilities And when you leave it's gonna feel like I'm listening on Oh, while the moonlight will lose some of its charm Favorite love songs won't ring quite as true, yeah Cause they were written in regards to you Believe the waitress when she tells me the pie tastes sweet So when I stand back up, the ground will be under my feet Favorite colors will change from gold to blue We'll have the time to do the things that I
Choose me. 